0: Hey everyone, it's Luke, it's Gomer, this is Catching Foxes. You may have noticed in the last couple episodes that Gomer's audio has been a little bit weird. It clips the end of my audio, and I have no we idea why. We have no why. idea why. We really, Joe has no idea why, we have no idea why. We're, we're going to be working with Riverside on to try to, that's the platform that we use. It doesn't happen when Gomer uses on Riverside for every knee shall bow.
1: yeah so this is funny yeah Yeah. so it's like i I have new equipment so i subbed out out old equipment still doing it then or i subbed out new equipment for old equipment vice versa i'm using different things i'm using new things i'm missing that and the software that we use i also use for every new shop out and i don't have that problem either so i don't know if it's i thought it might be because you like you and i use the same login for riverside but we haven't done that in so long. I say, send me the link for guests every time, and every time. Yeah, no, not, I'm sure it's it not, is it's fine. I know, I know, but it's just, it's just crazy. So I am now using all different gear, a hundred percent. We are using Riverside, but I'm doing a backup recording. Oh, this is going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. Yeah. How so are you doing, Louis? Anyways,
0: I'm, I'm very. I know that everyone has. We've had a few people complain about that, or have said, "Hey, is this just me? Is this weird? It's not you. It's us." Like every, every relationship in our, sorry, every important relationship in our lives. It's not you. It's me. So <laughs> we're sorry. We're going to, well, we are, I'm working on that. We legit have no idea why. And but, yeah. so hopefully it's not a problem during this episode because of the backup audio or somehow we fixed it. <laughs> So, yeah. Oh, this thing has to go out in less than 24 hours. Poor Joe. Joe wanted a three day runway.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's kind of funny because on Monday, Monday was
0: Memorial Day. (laughs) And (laughs) okay, hold on a second. I just want to add you and I don't do a good job of saying this is when we're going to record, but we have gotten to a very good like rhythm of like the last um, minute. Let's um, set up a time to record. We don't have a set date, but we are very adjustable to each other yeah yeah it's okay anyways
1: continue so yeah so monday was not only memorial day but it also was the day everyone in my family well, sunday and monday was when everyone but me was sick in my family and it was your birthday and so right? my wife is dropping no my birthday was the thursday before thanks for sending me a present it was beautiful You're welcome. the text message was wonderful that you didn't send. Mm-hmm. um not a damn thing but the uh <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. Uh, it's a, kind of a metaphor. but uh, I said something in the no. group text after you complained about it being <laughs> your birthday. Yeah. Yeah. 41. That's gross. But anywho, so so Memorial Day, we were supposed to go out. We were supposed to do all this stuff. And when everyone started getting sick except for my wife, I was like, okay, well, that's canceled. So now I can finally schedule the, the show with Shannon. We'll do it at 10 a.m. just in case we end up having to do Memorial Day stuff or whatever. And then Shannon gets like super deathly ill at like 3 p.m. I mean, just all the gross, not deathly, but all the gross stuff. And then uh, she sleeps. She sleeps for like a day. And then when we're supposed to record at ten a.m., I walk in at nine fifty-five, and I'm like, "Honey, the show must go on." And she's like, "I'm coming." And so Shannon. we recorded a, the live show for our Patreon supporters with Shannon in a bathrobe, like. And then as soon as we finished, we ended it, and she goes, "I gotta go right now," and she just ran, and she was out for the rest of the day.
0: So, God bless what her, but the show must go on. What a champ. What a champ. What a champ. Legend. What a champ. <laughs> Once again, the people um, we love have to bear the consequence <laughs> of us waiting too long. Yep. 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 <laughs> Keep yep. in mind, people, that about a, about a month ago, I asked Mgomer for a firm date. <laughs> but I couldn't give you one. I know. It's true. That was the problem. That's true. It's true. Now, now okay. So,
1: the good thing is this. So, I, I was out the last two days because I was up in Minneapolis with Ascension Press. And I recorded a Jeff Caven's show. We did. He has a podcast that he hasn't unveiled yet, but he's recorded like eight episodes. And the whole time I'm sitting there looking at him being like, don't channel Luke. Don't channel Luke. Because <laughs> I was going to make the comments that you always make. But his father is is deathly ill. Oh, so I'm prayers for Jeff's so, father. I'm,
0: I'm, very, I'm sorry to hear that. That is very, very Yeah, loud.
1: Yeah. But, and Jeff was in a great mood. Actually, I think right now, Thursday, June 1st, I think he's flying to the Holy Land for the 61st or 62nd time wow! to lead a group. And yeah, it's crazy. His wife has been over there. She is getting her PhD in biblical archaeology. As one does. And she is, <laughs> as one does, you know. And I, I love it when people, like, they do ministry their whole life, and then it's like, well, it's time to retire. Might as well get an advanced degree in archaeology. And so she's just, so she's in Shiloh digging, and he's going to go visit her when they're taking the tours and all this stuff. It's just so awesome. But I recorded a two-hour episode with jeff so flew out there ate lunch recorded two hours two and a half hours with jeff then met up with a big catching foxes fan homeboy who's now doing parish ministry and all this stuff like his whole famous classically trained singer it's like awesome stuff then the next day i did all of these ascension presents you know their youtube channel that father mike does i did five episodes of ascension presents Back to back. We just sat there, my fat belly sticking out. I'm so self conscious of, uh, I, you're fine. Everything's fine. Uh, you'll, you'll change your tune when you see the video. But, um, <laughs> I recorded, I recorded these videos. So, and then I got on a plane and then flew back home and got home at 10 o'clock last so night. The so the point of this whirlwind.
0: story, the whirlwind, w- was that I don't, I get a text from Gomer on Tuesday and I'm assuming we're going to record that night and you're in a studio with Jeff Cavins. And so there's no, <laughs> and I'm like, well, are we recording? And then we don't. And don't say anything about it. My answer was nope, because
1: I totally <laughs> forgot to bring my. Usually, what I do is I bring my equipment.
0: Yeah, that's like I and grab again, my Like uh, If we were uh, a responsible adult, we would have had a conversation last week about it being a holiday on weekend, how that would could possibly affect their schedules. But you know, yeah. why why do that? Why so do instead, that? here we are recording at the very last last minute. We actually had another <laughs> show planned, but due to the due to the tentacle stuff, we're going to push that back. I'm super excited about yeah. that show. Did you say testicle stuff?
1: No, technical stuff. Technical
0: stuff. Did I say? Oh, it's you said stuff? testicle. No, I think you said technical. I probably I didn't enunciate. Uh, not, who are we having? uh We're going to have my mom on. Oh, Patty! I'm super excited. Patty's going to make her. I think it's her second appearance on. Well, her first appearance on the main show. Yeah. Her second appearance on the podcast feed, but her like fifth appearance for anything related to catching foxes. <laughs> she did a bunch of stuff on stereo as well as some things on Patreon stereo so uh, yeah people love to ask my mom questions on stereo it yeah. was oh of course now my echo is like here's a notification so i'm not sure if you are aware there was a film that was released a couple months ago called the jesus revolution uh-huh. it's about the jesus revolution Movement that took place back in the seventies, a very kind of charismatic Protestant thing at the Calvary Church, people in their twenties. It's somewhat tied into that push that happens in California to spiritualism where so you have a lot of cults and stuff. yeah, and I have this theory i don't I'm sure there's people who have who have written about this that it's probably somehow like connects to the- char- the Catholic charismatic movement that starts with people in the seventies as well. Uh, which my parents were a part of and so and my mom has talked to a lot of her friends from the charismatic community who saw the jesus revolution and they said it really reminded them of that time in their lives back in the 70s so i was like hey mom watch this film have it jar your memory a bit and let's talk about it on the podcast so that's what we're going to do We're not going to necessarily talk about the film per se, but like her experience of the charismatic movement from the 70s until I would argue the present day. So I think it'll be a really cool perspective on like a life lived in a community. And we'll talk about like the pros and the dirty, dirty cons and uh hopefully it'll be a very good and robust conversation. I've never I mean I I've, I've had plenty of of conversations with my parents about this, but not for a very long period of time and just focused on this. So I'm really excited about it. Yeah.
1: And the fascinating thing about this, when you said that, when you mentioned that movie, cuz I've seen it pop up on in on YouTube and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and I've been like, oh, maybe I'll do. This. At first I thought it was like a stupid um mm-hmm. you know, like mockumentary thing or whatever. But uh so when i was talking with jeff over lunch as one before does. we filmed as one does <laughs> when i was talking with jeff cable i call him jeff but you know jeff cable i call him jeffy as i was i call him jeffy um, not to his face of course but he he was one of the questions that we were talking about was why does it seem like miracles don't happen anymore and you know like you read the new testament there's miracles everywhere where are our miracles and he said you know me and my wife were just talking about this because we were a part of the jesus movement I don't know if, yeah. And he goes, and I don't know if you know that, but like, this is like a big movement of the Holy spirit in the seventies. And he said, people would come and be instantaneously healed of drug addiction. He said, I witnessed it dozens of times and the reports were everywhere. And I was like, I know what you're talking about. There's this famous story of, of a guy whose conversion started because he's a drug addict invited to this prayer meeting. He stands in the back of the church, doesn't want to go in. And the preacher just finished preaching, so it's already over, the, the majority of it, and people are praying. And he walks up, and he goes, how you doing? The guy's like, fine, whatever. And he's like, the Lord wants to move in your life. And he just goes, okay. And then the guy said he felt something like overtake him. He said at that moment, he was cleansed of his addiction to like LSD. like like in, And he's like, I, I knew without knowledge <laughs> that it was completely cleansed for me. And when Jeff was saying, like, yeah, I witnessed it, I saw it, and I'm like, yes, what? That That is such a fascinating thing. So when you said the Jesus movement and the Jesus revolution movie, I was like, that is I absolutely, I absolutely want to talk about that because I just think there's too many coincidences too close. Yeah. To, well, to and I,
0: I actually would agree with that. So we're going to do just a couple of quick, like quasi 10 minute topics. But before we do real quick, can I tell you a story about the, yeah. about the cross and drugs. Yes. Okay. So your boy went to a Dave Matthews concert on Saturday night hey, with it
1: up Andrew.
0: And Rachel and Tyler, Andrew's a, a big fan of the show. So hi, Andrew. Hey, Andrew. Uh, he's just a great dude. Him and his wife are both are both awesome. It was a wonderful time. Like truly, I they, those concerts are so much. People are just in like the most positive um, mood you could possibly imagine. It's so much fun. Weed everywhere. <laughs> like <laughs> as far as the yeah. eye can see. To be very clear, we were not partaking in said weed. But man, could you spell it? For two hours,
1: <laughs> and <laughs> maybe that's why people were so positive.
0: So your boy, at one point in time, Dave Matthews Band <laughs> is playing the song "Too Much." Too much, I too much, which is like every Dave Matthews song, but wonderful. Like I was just on cloud nine, and some point in time during the song "Too Much," I have this like profound realization of I can't even put into words of like the cross, (laughs) which is a thing that typically happens anytime I'm in a large group. I typically have this thought of like Jesus died for all these people. Wow. Like it's just, you know, it's where my brain goes. Hey
1: man, like Jesus died for all these people, man.
0: I know. I'm like, just think about this. Wow. Like all these people, like, you know, and, and, but I have this like intense, I cannot explain it, but this like almost an, any, it's like an emotional, epiphany of the cross during too much by Dave Matthews band. And it's not till maybe about two hours, almost two hours afterwards that I'm talking about that. I'm like, maybe that was due to a contact high.
1: <laughs> like, just, <laughs> maybe I was on cloud 11. Again, like we weren't,
0: you know, like don't do that. Right. When I was there, we're doing, you know, obviously I've like, I just could never do it. You know, I don't think it's probably might to be the worst, uh, worst thing in the world. <laughs> I still think it'd be like a sin if I did. And I just, was I mean? I cannot explain to you just how much I was like. There was this feeling of like I like yeah I kind of get it like the cross and death, but like you have to have the cross to order have this, which is beauty and like resurrection and joy. And it, but it was like f- a feeling of that. And then afterwards, I was like again. I think I smoked weed twice in my life. It didn't do anything for me. I was drunk both times. So like, it's just never been a thing. I've always hated. it. I hate the smell. And this just yeah. like. I was like, "Oh, yeah, that may have just been that." <laughs> so it was, just really, it was just a funny thing that happened. Yeah. So hopefully, the, I didn't the THC anyone.
1: might have been <laughs> overestimating my my profound wisdom.
0: I didn't see, and and I, I, you know, I didn't feel anything yeah. like weird. I didn't see, it was just this weird, like emotional thing of like the cross. <laughs> wow, it was like it was honestly like like a conversion esque moment.
1: <laughs> That's funny. That's awesome.
0: So man, yeah. So on the Discord. If you are a part of our Patreon, a patron on Patreon slash CF, you have access to the Discord. On there, we have a subreddit. A subreddit, Jeez, Luke. We have a. I don't know, I don't know how Discord works. Yeah, we have a channel for ten minute topics, and there were, we thought we would pull a couple questions, if not directly from there, just kind of like the tone. And one was on uh, like pre. Predest- we want to
1: keep it theological and 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 philosophical, yeah,
0: or in, and spiritual, right? So for this one, um, spiritual, but not necessarily religious, as things tend to be here. <laughs> Like predestination,
1: predestination,
0: like does like the Lord know for going to heaven? Like, how does that work with like the sacraments and stuff? And honestly, this is one where I'm going to turn to you while interjecting thoughts and questions as I do. (laughs) because I I just like it's one of those like, "Mm." I mean, I have like a I feel like, okay. well, here, let me just say here's my my understanding of that is that God is outside of time. And so, like, he knows what's going to happen, but it's also like our free will is a big part of that. Yeah. So it's like the we know the end, but we haven't worked out the end yet. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean we don't have free will, because it's yeah. not like time to God is not necessarily linear.
1: Yeah. Right. right?
0: It's, it's Yeah. It's
1: completely out. He's completely outside of timey. Time Why If God. you will, to quote Dr. Timey. Why me? Yeah. When it comes to predestination and human freedom, that's always the conflict, right? Because if God knows and God's knowledge is absolute and God, right? Because he's not like, oh, I thought it was over here, but it's over there. Oh no. Right. So if God knows, then how am I free? That's one way of putting it. Or if God predestines, like there really is this thing called destiny, then how do I have freedom? And in the, especially in Romans nine through 11, which is the hardest part of the new Testament to understand, right? If you want to find the most complicated three chapters. In the New Testament, it's Romans 9, 10, and 11, reading it. What does that say? Well, that's where it gets into a lot of the stuff about predestination, where it's like, Jacob I loved, and Esau I hated, and God creates you know, some things for menial use and some things for noble use. Okay. And okay. what right does the clay have to say to the potter, make me thus, or why did you make me thus? And so basically, what happened at the Reformation was a guy named John Calvin, who was a lawyer, shocker, he emphasized, and so did Martin Luther, and so does Thomas Aquinas, uh, honestly, but emphasized predestination. But what John Calvin did that was new was he did what we call double predestination, that God not only wills the elect to heaven, but he specifically wills the mass of humanity to hell. So he created them to show forth his power so that he could burn them forever in hell. And if you say, well, that's unjust, what right do you, the clay, have to say to the potter, how make me thus like so there was a a big kind of reaction in fact gk chaston has this amazing line in his battle of lepanto poem where he talks about the the religious wars that were going on and he said and christian killeth christian in a narrow dusty room and christian feareth christ that has a newer face of doom meaning this christ who did not come for the salvation but to condemn the vast majority of humanity so long story short At the time of the Reformation in Spain, in the Catholic Church, the Molinists and the Thomas were arguing with each other, and the argument basically is: When does God's plan of predestination end and human freedom begin? The in the Protestant world, it's known as the Calvinist verse after John Calvin versus the Armenian debate. This guy, Joseph Arminius, said like, "No, God gave us freedom, so why would He?" annihilate or ignore the gift of freedom when he when he predestines stuff and so the 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 really intricate problem is so the catholic would say god's plan incorporates like you said like you intuited right god's plan incorporates our free choices right so he knows the creature that he made he knows how we'll choose he knows all things and then but the the Armenian would say, right, like God knows he predestines us because he knows how we're going to respond. But then the Calvinist says, so you're making the creature or the creator subservient to the decisions of the creature. Even if it's his knowledge, you know, um you know, from eternity before it ever happened, you're still saying that God will decree it and predestine it only because he knows how the creature will react. So there's always this been this war between freedom and predestination so the church really wanted to come out and, and declare a couple things and so one of the things the church said was like basically hey molinus and thomas shut the hell up <laughs> like stop arguing over this quit excommunicating each other that's one way to handle it but it also condemned a bunch of views and one of those and, and a lot of the views tended to the catholic version of the armenian which is a molinus view but in the understanding like the church scripture clearly teaches predestination. It clearly teaches the predestination of the elect. God, those who He foreknew, He also predestined. Saint Paul says, but in all of this, God also gives us freedom. So how those collide, we have to give it over to to mystery. Like why why did Adam and Eve sin, even though they had the full power of their faculty with zero diminishment, with zero you know, ignorance, why did they sin? You know, there's this thing that the Bible calls the mysterium iniquitatis, the mystery of sin and the mystery of iniquity. And there's a point where my human reason can't puzzle it all out. And I don't know, what do you think about that so far?
0: No, I think I, I... yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Double plus good.
1: (laughs) So the church doesn't ever, the church actually condemns the notion of God predestining souls to hell. i think
0: that's an important part
1: yeah so we call that double predestination the catechism says god predestines no one to go to hell for this a willful meaning freedom willful turning away from god a mortal sin is necessary and persistence in it until the end right so we uh i love this this is how it says it in uh, paragraph 1037 in the eucharistic liturgy and in the daily prayers of her faithful the church implores the mercy of god who does not want any to perish but all to come to repentance. So so oh no, it, damnation no. is real, hell is real, predestination
0: is real, but God predestines no one to hell. So we're all predestined to heaven. Cuz I have heard some no. people sorry, sorry, let me let me like I've heard yeah. some people say that it's almost as if we are predestined to heaven but our sin takes us away from that. So
1: then then the word predestination doesn't really mean predestination. Right? Predestination a, means it sure is point. destiny. Yeah. 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 So it's it's there is, there's you're, um, you're, nothing
0: that, that you can do to actually change that. Yeah, and I'm going to have to save this. I'm going to have to save this,
1: Luke. In the play Much Ado About Nothing, there's this great line. <laughs> no, it's fine. I got to get out of no, my it's system. No, 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 It's good. It's There's good. a great line. There's a great line where Benedict and Beatrice, who are the, the lovers that don't admit that they're in love, are yelling at each other, the witty repartee
0: and he no, said you were, uh you were such a douchebag now <laughs> I, am such a douche. I
1: just i just walked two and a half miles in the whole or almost three miles in the whole time i'm listening to a great course on uh on shakespeare but Where's um in it, there's a there's a line that all the kids or this one kid who was who's been kept having trouble with and she's she talks about how she hates him and he said and and how she never wants to get married and he says well you have saved you know some lucky man from having a predestinate Scratched face, <laughs> and the kids are like, "What the heck does that even mean?" I was like, "Because being married to her means she's gonna scratch you up. You're you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna oh, bone." Sit
0: down, kids. So then, like, yeah, let me ask let me ask you this. Then I think one of the things that this that the question we got on the Discord, which I didn't read all the way through before I, I brought up here, <laughs> uh but I think this actually kind of feeds off the thing you were t- talking about a bit, which is like the role of the church in that. So how do you explain when when you're evangelizing yeah how do we explain the role of the church in our relationship with Christ mm-hmm. because if it comes down to our ultimately being in relationship with Christ and through forgiveness mm-hmm. through his forgiveness we are saved or like his like you know like like through yeah. his sacrifice we are saved i mean i don't want to like how do we explain the role of the church in that when everything is viewed through such a personal relationship with with, yeah, like I I, 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 I want to get yeah, beyond yeah. like just the whole like why and is it Jesus. like the this, I don't I don't mean this as an apologetic to yeah. Protestants but almost like the world has no reference point for that
1: yeah yes and it, it, this is the criticism that I have of Jordan Peterson ten times out of ten which is the reduction of faith to an individualistic act mm. right mm-hmm. and so and he he reduces I mean he constantly champions individualism over P- uh, Pope Francis he tweets at him with that stuff. But okay so what where, where is the church in between Jesus the the son of god savior mediator between man and god and and my my act of faith and my relationship with Jesus i would say this okay so let's start out in the broadest terms the church is your relationship with jesus right so if you think about it the church in one sense came to be you know you could say on pentecost uh when christ called the first apostles through the blessed virgin mary sure all of that stuff but in another sense, the church always existed from the first moment of creation because the church is the union of humanity with God, right? Not the first moment of creation, but the first moment of creation of of, of man and woman. And so by being in a relationship with God, that relationship is the church. It is the communion that human beings have with God, right? And because we're made in the image and likeness of God and Jesus is the image of the infinite God, then that means that. From the like, our existence is always in the sun, right? And that's why the fall was so horrible, and that's why Christ came as a son of Adam to restore us, because we were by being made in the image and likeness of God, we are the copy of the Son, basically, right? And so Jesus. So the the fascinating thing about this with the church is the church. No one saves themselves. You will never find a person in the Bible who is praying, and then they the gospel unfolds in their brain and then they accept it and then now they're a faithful Christian. Um, The church is always the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. So if you are united to Christ, you belong to the church, maybe imperfectly, maybe at its beginning stages, but it's always the church. So then we ask ourselves, so like in the prison ministry, the Protestants um, who hate Catholics, they all say, you know, Jesus on the cross said it is finished. I can understand he died for me. He rose for me. He gives me new life. What I can't understand is why the Catholic Church adds the sacraments and the Pope and Mary when he said it is finished. And I always say to them, because through the church is how he applies his saving work to us, right? That's where the church comes in. So what do I mean by that? Well, number one, the church is first universal. That is, it's Jesus' gift to the world, right? Two, it is the, like, you can't say, I want Jesus, but I don't want his body, right? He establishes the church. Just like he established, think about Israel in the Old Testament. Who established Israel in the Old Testament? God at Sinai through Moses, that's when they became one codified nation, right? Jesus establishes the new Israel, which is the church. So we don't get to say, like, well, Jesus, I'm just going to keep it private, or I don't need the church in order to have a relationship with God. Yes, you do. Because then your relationship with God, God, this Jesus, Is going to look too much like you and not like him. So the purpose of the church is to make sure that that, uh, God is God and we are not and kind of keep those distinctions because we tend as human beings to collapse them. But number two, the church constantly mediates the faith. Like St. Paul says, how can you believe if you haven't heard and how can you hear unless someone preached, unless someone went out and preached the gospel? So Mm -hmm. no one, the catechism talks about this, no one gives themselves the faith. And so the faith cannot be alone. But, it's always a kingdom to follow the. King. And I think that's like
0: that's a yeah, that's a great way to put it, which is that which is that. It it is not a thing you can do on your own, and that I think the whole like. When you just when you just make it an individual thing, it becomes more of an idea, and it's not that God can't speak to the to the individual, but that there is. To, to me, the church is where it will go from an idea to reality yeah and like like it's an incarnate thing like if you look at what Jesus does in the Gospels he's constantly like dwelling and working within reality, which means that there needs to be some sort of structure for these things to happen. And he establishes things he establishes things like yeah. the forgiveness of sins he establishes things like the Eucharist he establishes things like baptism which all demand other people yeah
1: one of my favorite things is when we talk about baptism especially infant baptism and i i get into these not like uh, uh, i get into these arguments with not really arguments but like when i'm talking about it with protestants this is one of their things it's like no all you need is faith you don't need baptism baptism is a sign and seal of your inward faith it doesn't cause anything And they said, case in point, in the Bible, it says, like, you have this jailer, and he says, what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. Okay, great. And he said, see, it mentions nothing about baptism. And I'm like, the very next verse says he and all of his household were baptized, right? Mm -hmm. So what we keep doing is what the New Testament doesn't do, which is divorce faith, my personal faith, from baptism which is the corporate sacrament of faith. And that's how the catechism calls it, sacraments of faith. And so, uh, number one, you need to believe, you need to encounter Christ, right? You need to believe, you need to have all this stuff. Like St. Paul, who was the closest person to having a me and Jesus relationship, right, in terms of his conversion, Jesus met him on the road to Damascus, knocked him off his high horse, as it were, and and blinded him and all this stuff. He then had to seek out a Christian in order to start the process of being healed and and baptized and all of that stuff. And then after receiving these revelation after revelation after revelation, the book of of Galatians talks about, then this is to me the most amazing thing. After receiving all this stuff, he goes into the wilderness of Arabia, probably Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai, to try to figure out how can this guy that I saw get murdered on the cross? How can he be the Messiah? He didn't overthrow anyone. And then he starts, and that's why Paul is such a master is because he had to reconcile his hardcore pharisaical judaism with this Jesus. And that's why he's the one that talks about the church as the body of Christ, the church as the bride of Christ. These are physical things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? These are tangible things. When Jesus talks about the church, he talks about a city set on a hill. That's not something you hide. That's something that's visible. Right? And so um the church, so when we talk about the church, it is so hard for us to understand, but why do I need Priests, especially if they're lousy. Why do I need bishops, especially if they're if they compromise? Compromise what? The Catholic faith. Well, there you go. There's your answer. Because there's this thing called Catholicism. It's this thing called the Church. And Jesus gave us the Church, so we don't get to come up with a Plan B. Right. There is no Plan B. It's the Church. Right. This is why it's so. Inf- this is why you know I was saying this to 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 Jeff. He's my friend. Um, <laughs> you you know him as Jeff Cavins Uh, to me, he's the guy that him,
0: I get a lunch with on Tuesdays. <laughs>
1: we didn't have lunch it was delicious um, but I, I, I said um, you know every time I'm tempted by Bishop Barron and Hans Urs von Balthasar to buy into the dare we hope that all men can be saved and, and that whole thing <laughs> every time I'm tempted to I encounter another clergyman who uh, I'm like oh no they're, they're definitely his hell. if hell is full with anyone it's with clergy who have so forsaken Christ that they've given permission to their faithful to like forsake Christ right or, or lay ministers who, you know, abuse the faithful to make cash money.
0: Patreon.com slash CF. <laughs> yeah. Super thrilled to welcome Sock Religious back to the podcast. Been a good hot minute since they have been on. I love these socks. You've heard of them. If you haven't, where have you been? They've been everywhere for the past couple of years. They're a great, great product and a really cool company it all actually started with a conversation about donut socks uh, imagine that where sock religious co-founder scott williams thought i can wear socks for national donut day how cool would it be if i could wear saint socks on a saint's feast day five years later sock religious is a rapidly growing company that makes not only socks but t-shirts stickers onesies and coffee mugs their flagship product socks come in a variety of sizes and styles From one size fits most, to kids sizes XL for those with extra large feet. Guess on the podcast who's got that? I am a size 10, but with a D width. So, you know. And no show styles. Ooh, big fan of the no show styles. Tell me more. There's a sock that can fit in anyone's sock drawer. If you appreciate good Catholic humor and puns, check out their t-shirts featuring saints and fun Honey phrases like, never go without your wingman with an image of St. Michael on it. That's really cool. And now I want to see more of their shirts. I am so curious. Father's Day is coming up and Sock Religious products are the perfect gift for your dad. Everly, now's the time to get on that. Your dad, your grandpa, uncle, brother, godfather, or or priest. Step over to SockReligious.com and check it out. Use gift code CF15 for 15% off your order. That's going over to sock S O C K R E L I G I O U S.com and check it out. Use the code CF 15 for 15% off your order. Again, if you have not heard of sock religious, where have you been? They're a fantastic organization with great products. I love their socks. I'm actually super excited to go and check out their other stuff. I'm really, really pumped. So I'm so thrilled to have them back on, on the show. Thrilled that you can get 15% off an order at Sock Religious by going to SockReligious.com and use the code CF15 for 15% off of your order. Thank you to Sock Religious. Use CF15 for 15% of your order for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes.
1: But going back to the predestination thing, I do want to say, I love the way C.S. Lewis talks. Have you read The Great Divorce? Uh, yes. Yep. Right. So, right, takes the bus. First goes book to- I read back to back in one sitting Ooh, nice mm-hmm. nice so you might have remembered okay so you know how in the great divorce c.s lewis is like in purgatory mm-hmm. and he gets on a bus and he goes to the outskirts of heaven where it's more real than real right mm-hmm. so the the spirits the shades they can't even walk in the grass it hurts their feet and stuff and individuals come out from heaven to try to bring in their loved ones and their loved ones have to let go they have to change they have to whatever the last person that has someone come out to meet him is C. S. Lewis, right? He has someone that comes to meet him. And who comes to meet him is George McDonald. And George McDonald is C. S. Lewis's uh favorite author. Uh, love he loved the guy, but George McDonald was a well, number one, he had a farm. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh- <laughs> I was like, Okay.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm that's just awesome. I was like, why? Then I Oh,
1: oh McDonald's McDonald. Uh but, so he wrote, like, uh, the fairy tales of Princess and the Goblin and all this stuff that set Leah, C.S. Lewis, like, it, it, like, fired his imagination, which is a fun story. But I was listening to Reverend Timothy Keller, who, rest in peace, yeah, talk with— thought about you when that happened. Oh, man, that made me so sad. And uh, Pastor John Piper, they were talking at a conference about why did C.S. Lewis love George MacDonald so much when he was a universalist heretic? And they're going back and forth like, ah, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's always been a mystery to me, blah, blah, blah. But he kind of answers it in The Great Divorce where he talks, because they're also both Calvinist, Reformed church people who are pretty hardcore in their views of predestination. And to have someone who's a universalist that predestines everyone to heaven, that that was too much for them. And uh, I just want to read these two lines of very short quotes. Um, So George MacDonald comes out, and they start talking, and they start talking about predestination and human freedom. And uh, he says... Time is the very lens through which we, which ye see something that would otherwise be too big for ye to see at all. Right? Huh? I I love that phrase. So time is the very lens through which you see something that would otherwise be too big to see at all. That thing is freedom. The gift whereby ye most resemble your maker and are yourselves part of eternal reality. But ye can only see it through the lens of time. He had a thick Scottish accent. That you can only see it through the lens. Okay, I'm not even going to. Uh, through the lens of time. And so he's talking about that it's like looking through a telescope. We humans look through a telescope, but backwards, right? Because we can only see this tiny thing. And it's so far away and it's so small and it's so obscured and all this stuff. And then he's like, you're trying to wrap your mind around something far bigger than what you can handle. And then he had this line from C.S. Lewis every attempt to see the shape of eternity, except through the lens of time, Destroys your knowledge of freedom,
0: right? Oh,
1: that's so every interesting, isn't it? I I remember listening to this because I have it on audio yeah. and I was listening to it, and I went back maybe ten times, and I like even put it on single
0: speed, oh, which man. is it's been like terrific. Honestly, it's been over twenty years since I've read it because it was in two thousand one. go to college. every attempt.
1: Every attempt to see the shape of eternity, except through the lens of time, destroys your knowledge of freedom. Witness the doctrine of predestination, which shows truly enough that eternal reality is not waiting for a future in which to be real, but at the price of removing freedom, which is the deeper truth of the two, right? So his whole thing is, yes, you absolutely have to believe in predestination because God is completely outside of time, right? He's completely outside of time. What does the catechism say? I had the quote brought up. Um, It's a great quote. God to God, all moments of time. And you said this in your very beginning. To God, all moments of time are present in their immediacy. When, therefore, he establishes his eternal plan of predestination, he includes in it each person's free response to his grace. For the sake of accomplishing his plan, God permitted the acts that followed from their blindness, meaning of Pontius Pilate and Herod. And that's a paragraph 600. So it's this understanding that, like, yeah, I mean, like, we know that God has, what we say, foreknowledge, right? He predestines. His providence guides all things, right? But at the same time, we also know that God desires all to be saved, that God works for the good for those who love him, right? And that our human, I love the way Lewis put it, right? The only way we see, like, it's not like fish know what wetness is, right? They don't know what wetness Mm -hmm. is unless they're taken out of the water and dried out. Then they know what dryness is right when they die, right? And we don't know what timelessness is. We think of it as immortal. The clock is ticking like a vampire. We try to think of it in all these different concepts, but we don't know because it's out so outside of our experience. So where does eternity and eternal reality, as C.S. Lewis says, and our human freedom begin and end like you, you cannot know it. You can't know it. So just accept the fact that God has sovereignty over everything and God chose to make you free as he is free.
0: Right. Hmm. Man. So it. So then when, when he says that predestination is real, what does he mean by that then in, in, in the great divorce when he's talking about that? Is he just talking about? Because he's not. God
1: is not sitting up there waiting for a future thing to come to be.
0: Oh, he's already I, there. It's, already there. it's so, all immediately yeah, with yeah. him. So it's right? like the story's been written, but to us, it's still unfolding. But we have freedom within the story right now.
1: Yeah. The closest analogy Ooh. that I think Thomas Aquinas gives to it is, I'm imagine whiny. a watchman on a high tower, and there's a winding river, and you have men on boats at different places of the river. As the people are going down the river, all they can see is their narrow part, and up until the next bend, then they don't. But the guy in the tower sees all three boats, sees all the bends, sees the beginning and end of the river, right? And he said, that is an analogy, it's a similarity and other difference, yeah. of what God is like. He sees the beginning and the end of time, and every moment in time, right now so for him right now is the end of the world right now is creation right now is the death of christ right now is cleopatra right now is luke getting saved on a high school retreat singing some weird song that all
0: the group kids would sing the new people (laughs) god's not american so okay can i ask you one i know we gotta go here like you gotta go like right now right no I, i i can end at 11 i can end at 11. Hey, I'm here to talk to you about net at netusa.org slash supply. So you guys may have heard me talk about on the podcast in the past that one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't do net. I think I really would have loved it. I almost went to Net Australia, I think, or something. It was talked about. Uh, my friend Danielle called Maybe Net Island. I don't remember. It was like twenty years ago. Anyways. I have worked with NET in the past for other projects I've been a part of. I've been to their home campus. They're a fantastic organization. One of the most impressive I've ever been with an organization was actually when I went to go and visit mm-hmm. NET from top to bottom. Just awesome, amazing people. And they are calling you today to apply to be a NET missionary. If you or, or someone you know could serve to be a NET missionary, please tell them about this link, netusa.org slash apply. The reality is that young people today are growing up in a largely post-Christian culture, making choosing the faith all the more difficult. A vast majority of Catholic youth are disconnecting from the church during their teenage years. Net Ministries is passionate about challenging young Catholics through relational ministry to follow Christ and embrace a life of community in the church. That's why working alongside youth ministers, parishes, and schools, Net Missionaries help young people encounter the person of Christ through evangelization and discipleship. As a net missionary, you will meet young people who need to hear your particular story. Your journey with the Lord matters. You can be an example to young people of how to make the faith their own, allowing Christ to enter into their lives. Your story has a purpose. The Lord has a call for you. If you're between the ages of 18 to 28 and interested in serving the Lord as a net missionary, Go to netusa.org slash apply. That's netusa.org slash apply and fill out an application. Not able to apply yourself? Share about net's mission with a young adult in your life and encourage them to apply today. That's netusa.org slash apply. N N-E-T-U-S-A, E T USA. usa slash apply. Go check out netusa.org slash apply and f- And become a net missionary. This is the Lord calling you to do it. Do it. Luke said so. Okay, so. Yeah, yeah. What, like, does Jesus constantly experience the pain of the cross? I've always kind of wondered this. So there is a phrase that is mysterious
1: which says that he was crucified from the foundations of the earth. Right. So is there is this certain element. So number one, Jesus took on a full human nature, which means bounded by time. Mm -hmm. Right. Fair. But how does the book of Revelation depict Jesus as a lamb standing as one slain and he is standing on an altar? So there's this element of the sacrificial act being perpetuated. Why is that so important? Because then we at mass can participate in his once for all sacrifice in the heavenly liturgy. Right. So. If Jesus Christ is not the lamb on the altar in heaven for all eternity, then we cannot offer the mass, right? We're not offering the dead flesh of crucified Jesus from 2,000 years ago. We are offering the dead and risen Lord who reigns in heaven, ascended into heaven and reigns forever, right? We eat the Eucharistic, uh, when we eat the Eucharist, we consume the resurrected Jesus, right? So we have to understand, now is Jesus, does he experience the pains of the cross? uh i mean i think you could say in his in his humanity that was one point in time it's not like in his resurrection he's like ow yeah you know, yeah. <laughs> you know right or or you know does jesus experience like peter being you know an idiot uh you know the apostles the sons of thunder could we call down fire you know just yeah eye rolling all the time you could say though in his divinity he knows all things simultaneously now and as one act of knowing himself he knows all things
0: so that's how he knows like what's what is coming yeah yeah Yeah. it's it's like i'm one of those things where like i think i know i like i'm gonna know the answer to that but i've never really thought that through yeah so this is why i think a is there a real like school on, on the theology of the keys what do you mean? Like so? What do you mean by that? I I'm really fascinated by like what are the practical implications of when Christ says like I give you the keys to heaven on earth wh- wh- whatever you said like I'm all loose on heaven is loose in heaven or what is I'm loose on earth yeah. is I'm lo- I'm, a, I'm loose. We'll on call
1: earth. that close enough. Yeah,
0: so, yeah. Right, <laughs> I don't know. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, uh, I didn't prepare for this. I didn't study this <laughs> in school. I didn't show up. <laughs> what does that like? And like, I mean, this barely. What are the keys? Relate- mean? Yeah, like, what, like, are what are the theology? The the yeah. Like, the like, keys? like, like, is there yeah. a study on like what are the like what are of the theology of the keys?
1: Yeah. When you went to Rome, you you read about like how like when you go to the Vatican, keys are everywhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You weren't there because you decided to go with a different group, but it's fine. Oh, That's the worst decision of my yeah, entire life. The hell's wrong i with I, you? The, I I honestly hold that there are three terrible decisions. Decision number one is the worst decision I've ever made is not going with you guys, you and Adam, to Austria then. Second worst decision I ever made was not inviting Dave Van Vickle to my wedding. That was just a pure accident. Oh my gosh, that's right, you didn't. Yeah, and he's like, wait, you got married? I'm like, oh my God, I forgot to invite you. You were in his (laughs) wedding before that. Yeah, but you know what? In my defense, you didn't even I found know it was his
0: in his wedding yeah. a week before yeah, his wedding. Yeah, remember He's I broke like, your camera a the day you got there. You got a like expensive camera in your lap for some reason, which is the most Gomer thing ever. Here's the thing that I am obsessed with right now. Let me be holding on to it. Go on. Then <laughs> he got mad at me as soon as I opened the door and it fell. out. I was like, "How was I supposed to know?" Yeah, no, 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 no. that's
1: right. That's true. And then the third decision I regret is, you know, one of those times that I, the last time I broke up with Shannon, that was a big <laughs> regret. That a, but that's the third of three. Because <laughs> we got back together. It's a happy ending. Yeah. I was predestined to be in love. <laughs> no, but shit, what was the first thing? What was the first thing? The, the, oh, going with you to Austria. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 keys. keys. <laughs> <We're back. laughs> we got to do? This moment brought to you by Adderall. Right. Um, you were
0: like, well, I was, thinking, I, was like, I was like, fuck if
1: I know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> no, so. I broke a
0: camera that one time, 2007.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's tons of tons of stuff on the keys. So the, the my 30-second my summary is the phrase keys refers to, number one, physical gates that locked city walls. Um, two, the keys that the steward of a household would have over the, the palace of the king. So literally a steward would, he would wake up first and he, it was his job to summon the the people who want to come meet with the king mm-hmm. and he would unlock the doors to the actual throne room, right? The hand of the king, mm-hmm. right? So if you think about it in the Game of Thrones kind of way, um, his <laughs> job was to, to do. <laughs> as we are known to do, is to literally carry around keys in his hand and to unlock doors and to lock doors. And whatever he unlocks, no, no no other lesser steward, right? The chief steward unlocks, no other lesser steward is allowed to lock, and vice versa. So, and then you fast forward this to uh, the understanding of ancient Israel. So, Israel had a practice since Joseph, right? Joseph in Egypt, right? He was the the viceroy of the king, the chief steward of the king, all that good stuff, saved Israel. Well, Israel preserved that in the kingdom of David, and the sons of David all had had prime ministers we would call them today but called the the head of the household the chief steward of the household hmm. and his job was when the king was absent to rule in the place of the king like the steward of gondor i love all these pop culture analogies and when the so when the king was gone he he all final decisions were up to him and when the king was present his job was to be like the hand of the king and do all the unlocking and all that stuff And so there was the keys of the house of David. In Isaiah 22, this is explicitly mentioned with these two guys, Eliakim and Shebna. And when it talks about giving the keys to the house of David, it talks about them being symbols of authority. I'll put my sash on your shoulder, or I'll put my sash on you and give you the keys and place them on your shoulder. You will be called a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And whatever door you open, none shall shut. Whatever you shut, none shall open. So Jesus being the son of David, as, you know, everyone, you know, obviously we know that
0: obviously, obviously, obviously
1: when he says that to Peter, he says, you are Peter. And on this church, I will build my church on on this rock. I will build my church. I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So not the Davidic kingdom, but the Davidic kingdom now fulfilled, which is the kingdom of heaven. And he said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So. Human authority that is ratified by heaven in order that the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And then in the book of Revelation, it says that Jesus has the keys of the house of David. So Protestants will say, well, look, Jesus has the keys. And it's like, right, because he's the king. The king always has the keys. It's his house, right? But the Shebna or the Eliakim or the Peter is the chief steward of the house. So when the king is, quote unquote, gone, right, he doesn't rule in his stead, but he acts as his chief steward. And so having the keys is a Davidic understanding, like this binding and loosing authority. Hmm. And the phrase, so Jesus says keys, but he doesn't say open and shut, he says binding and loosing. And we know from the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Talmud and other ancient Jewish writings that to bind and to loose were terms that applied to judges when making rulings based on the law, or they were terms that applied to rabbis when making authoritative interpretations of the word of God for people so they could bind interpretations on the laity. So if you have all of this kind of going, Jesus is giving Peter
0: authority to bind and loose faith and morals. Interesting. Guess who's back? Our good friends at Decided Excellence Catholic Media. Decided Excellence is a print media company that specializes in community and parish magazines. Through local business sponsorship, Decided Excellence is concerned with bringing the good news of Jesus Christ to homes and highlighting the actions of the body of Christ in the local community. Parishes partner with Decided Excellence Catholic Media to produce a monthly magazine that is sent to parishioners and Catholic-affiliated homes in the parish boundaries. Love that. Decided Excellence trains your staff to organize content from from the parish, and let's be honest, your staff probably needs the training, and you, deep down in your bones, know, know this. But honestly, it shouldn't be that much extra work because someone is already doing this for the bulletin, hopefully. Every magazine's centerpiece is a family from the parish that the parish wants to spotlight. This is also an opportunity for parish... I should add those... Any little side comment is clearly coming from me, not from the ad copy, just so we're all very aware of this. This is also an opportunity for parishes to feature their own original content in evangelization and catechesis and to highlight the various ministries of the parish. There's an extensive... Decided Excellence Library, which has articles from Bishop Barron, Scott Hahn, Relevant Radio, PrimeSoil.com, and much more, in the event the parishes need additional content. Decided Excellence does all the designing, editing, and mailing for you. That's got to be a load off of your own shoulders, am I right? Old people in the back. A parish magazine is supplemental to the bulletin. Why it improves the bulletin. There's a good chance I wasn't supposed to read the bold part out loud, but here we are. The bulletin is available to people who go to Mass or search it out online. The Parish Magazine is the only way to reach 100% of your registered parishioners. I actually really love this idea, which is why, why, why we have them. We being decided excellent. Because of our professional design team and production team, the Parish Magazine is superior in beauty and quality. Our magazines are opened, kept, read, and shared. There are parishes all over the country who have created parish magazines, and parishioners love them. The magazine communicates the good works of the parish, strengthens community, and has even brought parishioners back to Mass. How to bring one to your your parish? Check out DecidedExcellence.com slash parish and fill out the information form. Talk about the possibility with your fellow parishioners, parish staff, and priest. Again, that website is DecidedExcellence.com slash parish. E X C E L L E N C E dot com slash parish. P-A-R-I-S-H. Decided slash parish. Talk about the possibility with your fellow parishioners, parish staff, and and priests. Get on it. Let's, let's do it, people. Go to it. You can flip through a magazine to see what our magazines are like here by going to decidedexcellence.com. Again, that is decidedexcellence.com. D-E-C-I-D-E-D E-X-C-E-L-L-E-N-C-E dot com. Seriously, I'm actually it would be kind of fun to do a Decided Excellence Catching Foxes magazine. What would that be? A lot of good intentions. All right. Anyways, thank you to our very good friends at Decided Excellence for sponsoring this here episode of Catching Foxes. Okay, so then yeah. what does that mean then like it's in heaven? So like here's how I here's how like let me God is ratifying it and God's backing it oh, up. Oh okay. So would this then be a wrong in, in- interpretation of this? One of the things that I have thought when I, when I tend to, when I tend to think about the keys is, does that mean that if a bishop has set a priority for his diocese, that the Holy Spirit respects that?
1: Ooh, that's interesting. You know what I mean? So
0: like, like what is like, if we want to see where's the Holy Spirit moving, should we first look to what our bishop has made a priority? Not that the Holy Spirit Mm. only moves in certain uh, direct, you know, like. Yeah. But like just kind of presuming, like, where could the Holy Spirit, if I'm doing, if I'm doing ministry in a diocese, do I need to look to what are the priorities, (laughs) the stated priorities of the bishop? Does the Holy Spirit respect that?
1: Oh, that's interesting. Like, an interesting way to put it. Yeah. Like, is, like,
0: how I had thought of it is like, is there a way that like God actually respects the priorities that the church has set or the, or the, like, I'm going to work in this, if the church decides to do this, then I will work in this way. That's interesting. So one of the ways that
1: I describe that Scott Hahn taught, I call him Scott, don't worry about it, but um, that we talked about the difference between inspiration and infallibility, right? So councils, ecumenical councils, and the Pope speaking ex-cathedra are infallible, mm-hmm. but they're not inspired. And so it's like, what's the difference? And the difference that the way that Dr. Hahn kind of brought it out was inspiration is defined in De Verbum at vatican II as all that god wanted and only what god wanted while working through the freedom of the human authors the sacred authors of the bible and so you could say that god inspired them to say these things in such a way right he said but infallibility is not a positive charism like inspiration which is words about god in god's own words but infallibility is a negative charism. That is, it prevents you from error. And he said, so for instance, a council that is like talking about whether Christ is homoousios, usius, similar to the father, or of similar substance to the father, or homo usius, of the same substance of the father, the Holy Spirit will back that claim up. But it's not like the Holy Spirit is inspired. It's not like it's inspired like, like Holy Writ, like the Bible. And he said, uh, so for instance, The church can, if the church defines something in faith and morals, the Holy Spirit guarantees that it is free from error. But maybe it's not said in the best way. Maybe there could be further explanation. You know, like it's not like the Pope in saying when he defines something, we don't regard, like when Pope John Paul clarified why women cannot be priests in sacerdotes ordinalis he like he could have said it in in numerous ways it's not like we look to every word being perfect but we do understand that the judgment itself is infallible right so it's one thing is free from other error is free from error which means it's true and believable whereas the others is a positive charism that says
0: it the way god wants it to be said right does that make sense so if it's infallible then does that it, it for the most part i mean that's a great way of of explaining it on the spot <laughs> Is the holy spirit following the direction of the pope or is it through the discernment with is it through the discernment like the discernment the pope has done with the holy spirit to speak X I'm a catheter or you know whatever like what what like what comes first this is it's the spirit the spirit okay the spirit always comes first yeah.
1: i'm i think we can obviously
0: say like yes which the spirit comes first yeah and always, i think
1: the but- spirit yeah, and and the idea of it is though that number one the bishop is the head of the local church, where the bishop is there is the church. That's Saint, oh gosh, is that Saint Ignatius of Antioch? Like one of the earliest sayings that we have about bishops outside of Scripture is him saying, "Where the bishop is, there is the church." And so, does that mean every initiative of the bishop is guaranteed to succeed? Absolutely not. Yeah. What infallibility? <laughs> we all know too well, as we all know. No, but the, so the, I, one of the things I think that sometimes we tend to do, this is like going back to grace is grace, it's not magic. We all want the church to be magic. We want it to be Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. We want it, we want the church to be Hogwarts or whatever. Excessio where it's like, wealth. <laughs> they say that every day in the Vatican Bank. But like we want, it's like, oh, I belong to the church. Now I'm morally perfect. And it's like, no, you're not. Like, oh, you're the church leaders. You're, you, you are in the order of Melchizedek and you stand perfectly. You know, you stand in the line of, you know, the apostles. You should be great. Yeah. Oh, wait, you're epic no, 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 no,
0: no, they don't. But but you can imagine what it would be like. Yeah, <laughs> I'm quoting Billy Madison, in a place where I shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: No, so the, the, the one part in the catechism that kind of talks about this, it says, thanks to the assistance of the Holy Spirit, the understanding of both the realities and the words of the heritage of faith is able to grow in the life of the church. And so we talk about, well, how do we, like, do we discern? The best way that I always put it is oftentimes we come up with our own plans and we ask God to bless them. Whereas we should see where God is already blessing things and then go build our institutions there. And I find that a lot of a lot of stuff that we do, like you don't look to the bishop as if every decision he makes is flawless, nor every decision that he makes is ratified by the Holy Spirit. But what we do is we look at him and say, He's I still owe him. I still owe him the obedience that I owe. The apostles, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And in that, this is the thing where criticism of Pope Francis, I think is, I'm going to say it, Trent Horn had an awesome thing where he took these Catholic speakers to task, and he said, you you are dangerous, you are inches away from Protestantism in the fact that you're like, well, and, and you're using Catholicism and the teachings of the church as Protestants use the Bible. Both of them are true, right? But you're using it against the authority that God gave the Pope, right? Like, mm-hmm. don't do that don't do that and your bishop can be a schmuck there are plenty of bishops who are terrible evil people who will probably spend a long time in purgatory if i could put it charitably right now i don't know who they are i don't know all the things you know bishop weakland probably is like the most characteristic example in my head of of a man who did all he could to kind of like corrupt the faith but at the end of the day i am not judged uh, i mean like god gave us these leaders and I ought i mean, the the cat the code of canon law says we have to. The laity owe the hierarchy to bring our our desires to them, and you know to teach the truth and do all that stuff. But to oppose a bishop qua bishop, that's where we're that's where we get into the into the wrong side of things. But this is the difficulty. There was a time when men who sat upon the throne of Jerusalem were evil, wicked men. Were men who were mm-hmm. the high priests. Their sons were evil, wicked men, mm-hmm. and they abused. It literally said they abused the women who were serving the temple. So these are like the most faithful. Women. I think of like stories that you hear of like a bishop who abused a nun, mm-hmm. right? Or 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 that guy, that layman up in the the Larch community in Canada who worked with adults with mental, oh yeah, illness stuff. That JD Flynn mercy. like loved, and everyone thought he was a living Lord saint. There's like yeah. all these women came out that he abused him in spiritual direction. You hear this stuff and it scandalizes you. This is actually why I wanted to talk about. I sent you a document. Well, one of the things I covered in EKSB that I think is a, a good oh yeah. for the deconstructing discipleship. We can yeah, get yeah. it later, but this these are truly disillusioning disillusioning moments. Gosh, that's hard. But like, I'm not. I don't believe bishop the bishop is Christ. Right. I don't believe the bishop is God. So I'm going to give him the submission of faith that Christ and God has asked me to give. But I'm not going to pretend like he's this magical, perfect person.
0: Well, and you know what's really interesting about that? And I, and I know that we we got we just wrap things up here. When I think back to the summer of 2018, when everything was yeah horrible, a lot of us were going to mass every day during that period. Was, you know, again, horrible. And, yeah, like, I was doing a lot of, of, of the word and all, all this other stuff. And it, like, it was constantly about, like, the Lord is going to, like, get his vengeance and all this stuff. He will, like, purify the house of <laughs> David and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh boy, sucks to be you guys. <laughs> there yeah. was this real, I had, I was shocked at how like, to me, the only reason, like it was a gift from the Lord that I, ser- that, to, to like stick with the church. Yeah, And I truly yeah, yeah. think that's the only way that you can really do it. I mean, there, there is like the choice. There is the choice. Like I'm going to try, I'm yeah. trying, I'm here, I'm trying. <laughs> okay, but like, it was a gift that so many yeah. of us were, I, for some reason I came out of that very disillusioned with the people of, of the of the men in the church, but not with the institution itself. Yeah. And to me, that is a gift. Yeah. That is the only yeah. way that, oh, that, that can really happen. Is if you try I mean, to receive you, that think gift. Of, yeah, think of all the people who who
1: have who the witness of the failure of our shepherds to defend the most vulnerable sheep. Yeah. Right? They're just the fail not even the, like obviously they're going to be predators. Obviously, there are people who maybe they were molested when they were kids, and it creates this cycle of abuse and self-hatred, and then they go out and they commit it. Like, obviously, there are evil people in the world. The crazy thing is when normal people or decent people cover up for the evil mm-hmm. people. That's the stuff that I found unbelievable, right? That was what, like, freaked me the freak out, right? But there's this great line in the book, "The Friendship, The Friendship with Christ or Friendship with Jesus by Robert Hugh Benson where he talks about this this profound disillusionment with the externals of Christianity. Hmm. And he said, and it was like, maybe it's the failure of the priesthood. Maybe it's you meet a congregation that's particularly divisive. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. And he said, the souls that are not strong, this is where they end, right? This is the first part of God's um, the, of the purgative way. And he said, the, the purgation of things that might have led you to Christ but but are not Jesus. And so it's like, well, am I Christian because of Christ or am I Christian because of the things I get by being a Christian? So let let, let me give you a a thing that, you know, brutally kills me. And I said this this morning to my wife. Please do. Okay. And I'm going to end on this. I'm going to try not to cry. Damn it. So we, Shannon had a dream last night of like Christ was showing her, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go into it. That's her private thing. But she heard the voice of our, which she, you know, in the dream of voices of our, our miscarried kids. And, and she just had this resolution of like living so she can meet them one day. And we've talked about that, you know? Yeah. And I said, you know, it reminds me of that Pearl Jam cover. Uh, Where, oh, where could my baby be? The Lord took her away from me. I'm, I'm going, um, she's gone to heaven. So I got to be good. good So I can see my baby when I leave this world. And I said, you know, Shannon, we've talked about this before, but it just hits me in my head that, like, I shouldn't, th- this sounds weird, but one of the joys of heaven will be being in, reunited with our loved ones, mm-hmm. right? But I don't seek heaven, or I'm not trying to be good enough so that I can see my kids. It's because I love Christ, mm-hmm. right? And she goes, she just looked at me, and she's like, absolutely absolutely she said at the end of the day what i took from from this was not oh be good enough to go meet hope benedict and perpetua the names that we give our kiddos but she said it was my kids saying to me to love christ and she said when i woke up the first thing i thought of was we need to do a better job in prayer with our children we need to we need to just be better with that like you know, we ebbs and flows and now that it's kind of in the summertime with homeschoolers, like everything's loosey-goosey and we're mm-hmm. all doing a million different things. And she just was like, I want my kids to know and love Christ on their own. Right? Like meaning to pray on their own and all that. And so I like and so I was like, Yes, that's the thing. The thing is like the love of Christ inspires my love for other people. It's not that my love of other but that's the the externals that Christ has to purify of us of like he has to take away your love of in a sense your love of the church or your love of this or that particular priest Mm -hmm. or your love of this or that mode of music or even liturgy and art like that all has to get stripped away because it's not him but then in the illuminative stage he gives it all back to you because now it's his him adorning you with himself not you liking not not your preferences
0: but what he wants well you know it's funny when you I think it's safe to say that uh, if you love something, it is going to be stripped from you at some point in time. Yeah. If you're a Christian, or or your love of it will be purified, yeah. which often they could be the same thing. Yeah. But like going back to soul of the apostle, he'll take away the apostle for the sake of your soul. Yeah. So even if it's doing good, he will remove it if it, if it's you know. And like I thought about like us and like you know this podcast particularly over this past this past like year like it's never been on the altar more in yeah. this past year. Right. Because, I mean, right. through just, you know, like open up conversations between the two of us and with other people. And like, we're the only reason why we're here is because I, th- I think the Lord like wants us to be now, like there's a love for he- each other. I think even for, if it were to go away, we probably would find a thing to podcast about, in you know, eight months, <laughs> but like, it just, it yeah. wouldn't be this. Yeah. And yeah. that's like, it's been interesting how this has like, It's been interesting to experience it because it constantly like reorders myself and then it reorders this because I am constantly getting disordered because as because like as because like like, uh, what is her name? Fiona Apple says, I've been a bad, bad girl, you know, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) <laughs> well, well that you, was you, funnier in my head well you drink too much you smoke too much, yeah, too, much. too much too much <laughs> you get too much of a contact high from the weird people it was everywhere <laughs> every, it, it was just like as soon oh, as yeah. it started oh, yeah. like the, the, it was there's just no escaping it it's it's
1: like that uh at uh, dave matthews and bare naked ladies and one other i can't oh fish they all come to the woodlands pavilion here, oh yeah and i see and you could just see like why is it so smoggy over there? <laughs> it smells like auto <laughs> smog,
0: son. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. seriously, I, one of the most positive environments I've ever... It was so... like I wasn't expecting it to be as nice and as fun as it was. So really, the way to bring about world peace is to get Putin
1: and Biden and the G7 at, just to sit down, smoke
0: a bowl with some Matthews. <laughs> well, it was just... Everyone was so nice. <laughs> like everyone's just like singing along. They're singing on with each other. They're talk- it's it, it just there was no it you know on what it was. It was the there was no pretentiousness at all it, mm. at at all. And it it, mm. it just really shocked me. Yeah. I was not expecting that. I get why people go back like ten ten times now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. Thank you to our sponsors. Really quick, I know we got to go. Thank you to Decided Excellence, Sock, Religious, and Net for sponsoring this episode. Patreon.com slash CF. Lots of good stuff going on. A whole bunch of stuff with merch. We almost got it down how we're going to be doing that going forward. We have a few stuff to work out, but we're getting there.
1: The first thing that pulls up on the DecidedExcellence.com page is Disciples of Dayton. Whoa, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. See, that's the thing about about the uh, Decided Excellence. Is it's like your church is on the front cover of a magazine. That's awesome.
0: It is no, yeah, I yeah. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a really cool idea. I, I know I've been to the website at least once. I just didn't see the thing about Dayton on there. Yeah, that's oh, one of the cool. magazines that they have. <laughs> I think right that's there. So funny. Yeah. Franklin? Where where is this in Dayton? Which parish is it? In Dayton. I'd be perfect. Saint Benedict Church. Uh, interesting.
1: I don't know, but the picture looks like a Grotto de Mary right in front of the Bahamas. That is a
0: beautiful ocean view. <laughs> I think this is this might be fake. Only because the people way, in the professional way. spotlight; those are people are way too good looking, to be working at a church.
1: <laughs> way too good looking for Dayton, Ohio. I <laughs> will that. Yeah. All right, Luke. All right. I gotta go have lunch with Latinas. Nice. These are the the Spanish ministry women at. Saint oh, Anthony's I'm so jealous. Who, have fun. They're they're it's gonna be awesome. But they're taking me out to a really nice place just to say thank you. Oh, for that's my, wonderful. Th- this is how they described it. For your
0: years of spoiling us with all your work. Oh. I was
1: like, that's
0: beautiful. (laughs) That's awesome. All right, everyone. Thank you. Joe, sorry. We promise we won't do this again. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye.
0: Poor Joe poor Joe we're late I didn't tell him that we were late until this morning because I was like oh poor Joe he doesn't know should I edit this one then no i, I think I think he'll he'll be fine he's fine he's fine everything's fine yeah <laughs> poor, poor guy
1: just wants to you know